dreamers, welcome back to Views from a Dreamer. I'm Letitia Carr, also known as Tish, your dream coach, and this is episode 31 of Views from a Dreamer. So I created Views from a Dreamer to prove that dreams are real and regular people, just like me and you, are out here dream chasing and getting into it. So Views from a Dreamer is an expansion of a dream I started over two years ago through my blog, Where Do You Dream? And it is bringing me so much joy to continue to expand the territory of my own vision and own dream by bringing you all amazing interviews with dreamers just like yourself to share their stories. So our guest today, I'm really excited to have. I became familiar with her through Instagram, of course, where we all get to know people, right? And was connected <laughs> with her through our, through our guest from episode 29, Sharath May, so I'm super excited to have Nicole Garner-Scott on this week's episode of Views from a Dreamer. Nicole is the principal at the Garner Circle PR. She's an author, an influencer, and is creating entrepreneurs across the country. So I'm really excited to have her on to talk about all of the, all of the different things she's working on and creating. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to Nicole to tell you all more about herself. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me, um, and, and very inspired by your story as well. It's just so good to see that if you stay consistent with what you're doing, you can bring your dreams to reality. So kudos to you for creating this space um, for people to be able to tell that story. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit about me, um, Nicole Garner-Scott. I have been an entrepreneur for 12 years now, going on 13, and um uh, it's been a really amazing journey. Um, actually started my uh, first venture, which is my PR agency, in college, my senior year of college. And um, the, the name of it is the Garner Circle. And through the years, we've had the opportunity to work with um, quite a lot of large brands from Bravo to VTV to Lionsgate Films, Universal, um, Janelle Monet, Sierra, quite a quite a lot under that and have learned so many things in that space. And in the last um, two years, I've branched out into becoming more of a serial entrepreneur or um, what we like to call it a multi-passionatepreneur. And I opened a co-working space uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, for those of your listeners, in Atlanta or visiting Atlanta. It's called Open for Business, and it's a co-working space dedicated to female entrepreneurs. And then I started an organization called 100 Female Entrepreneurs, which, uh, which creates actionable tools for women to really profit in their business. Awesome. But, and so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I have been paying attention to the 100 Entrepreneurs because I think that's such a dope concept to um, 100 Female Entrepreneurs because I think we are in a space where entrepreneurship is a trendy thing, but also giving women, like, the empowerment and ability to actually create their brands and um, be established. So I think that's really awesome work that you're doing um, as well. And so I, I'm so excited to have you because I am all about women's empowerment, and I love when women start, start businesses and then create something to help someone else, right? So I wanted to ask, you know, you said you've been doing this, you've been an entrepreneur for 12 years, you've been in PR for 12 years and started while you were in college. Can you talk about your beginning journey and, you know, kind of what prompted you to start your own business and kind of how that journey has been up to this point? Sure. So for me, I had 
the aspirations of being an entrepreneur from a child. Um, I come from a very, very humble beginning, so I had to get very creative early in life on how I was going to um, create my own opportunities with, for resources and for revenue and, and, and profit as a child. So I was um, the candy lady, had the lemonade stands, you know, all those different things you can think of and got a taste of entrepreneurship very young in life. Like, wow, I can sit down, come up with this idea, get the word out there, and turn that into um, money that I can utilize for the different things I want and um, save and all of those things. And so my family was very great at helping me construct that into a positive path. Um, because, you know, for children, you can, that can go left or right very quickly. And I did have great people around me, including my parents, who helped to really push that into a dynamic era. So when it was time for me to go to college, um, everybody was like, well, what do you want to major in? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to work for myself. I just needed to figure out what, what angle that was going to be, what was my skill set, and what would that provide um, for. And so that's how I ended up into, in the field of PR. I felt like I was very good at writing, um, speaking, connecting the dots, creativity, et cetera, and that led me into that field. Um, my last year of college, my senior year, I actually had a great um, internship with an agency that was working with Delta to on an initiative to get young African-American boys more interested in the, in the industry of aviation. And I was so passionate about this project that but the, the agency and even the client in itself, this was kind of just a a quota project that they were doing, something they needed to, you know, say they were doing for the community, but the passion wasn't there. So I was going above and beyond and putting a lot of hours because I felt like um, there's so many, I mean, when you look at the statistic of uh, ethnicity across uh, pilots in the aviation industry or just those who are higher level up, it was such a, a big gap. And I was like, the resources are here. More people just really need to know about this. And so uh, I, through that passion, when I finished, when I got ready to graduate, um, uh, the project and the client itself was like, well, hey, we love to hire you out to continue this. It's not something that, um, you know, has been in our forefront, but you made it your forefront. And so uh, they were like, well, you know, can you begin next week? And I was like, well, great. <laughs> what, what's needed? <laughs> and, and, and they were like, well, send over your – your EIN number, you know, we need to register you as a vendor, et cetera. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I hung up the phone and hopped on Google, like, what is an EIN? And, <laughs> and what do I need to have in place so I can get paid properly? And how do I open up a business bank account? And, I, I mean, I just hopped on the phone and Googled everything and made it happen in the two weeks. So that ended up being my first um, paying client. So, from that, I was doing my, my entrepreneurial, I like to say, from 5 to 9, and I was still working at another agency during the day from 9 to 5, and I got to a point where um, I got to a point where they were really getting ready to cut back at the, at the large agency I was at. They had lost one of their major accounts, and I had to decide, is this a time that I continuously go and look for another job, or do I rely on what I've built with? my agency. 
And so I went with my agency full time um, to really give it my all, put my all into it, and, you know, see if I can make it really work. And um, started with really aligning how much business I needed, deciding what my cost of living was going to be, how was I going to make all of that happen. actually went back to some programs with the Small Business Association um, to really understand just my, my business model more, my pricing structure to make sure it was correct. And, and when you're living off of it yourself, you have to really hone in on how is this going to be effective because mm-hmm. everybody was supporting me. They were like, yeah, go, go do it, but don't ask us for any money. <laughs> like you have yes. to <laughs> you know we're we're all here to cheerlead you on, but you you know you're gonna have to make this thing work. And so I took it very very seriously from from day one, just um, surrounding myself around mentorship uh, and continuously investing in uh, what I was doing, making sure that from from very early on I wanted to continuously get corporate business. And so even though you're outside of the corporate structure, you have to be able to submit things in a corporate fashion, talk the corporate lingo, handle business in a corporate way if you want to do business with corporations. So consistently making sure that I was on top of everything I was doing in that space as well. And um, and then just continue to keep dreaming, <laughs> as you say. I, I continue to feel like there were, there were no limits to what I could do if I could just if I could just get the opportunity to do it. I was like, no matter how big the project is, if I get the opportunity, I'm going to knock it out the box because mm. I'm just going to utilize my, my level of work ethic and get it done. And, it's, and that's worked to my benefit. Um, I always tell people that confidence is a very large part, a very, very large part of being an entrepreneur matched with faith. And if you can bring those two together and utilize it, um, then you just don't live in fear. And fear is what keeps you from going after a lot of things that you're self-deserving of. Absolutely. I always tell people, and it's something I I came up with this because I had to tell tell myself this, right? That's usually how these things happen. But to dream outside of fear, right? Like to do Mm -hmm. the work, get outside of the fear, because that's the thing that holds us back the most. And one of the things, what I heard you say in that was that, you started with the passion because you were doing, you were working on a project nobody else cared about, but you were passionate about it. You, when they gave you the opportunity, you executed. You went out and figured out how to uh, make, create a business because they were giving you an opportunity, um, and you took it serious and had confidence behind it. And so, like what I hear in that is like that's the path to success. Like your passion, your execution, taking it serious, and the confidence um, to really create a business or create a life that you want. And, you know, I don't, I don't hear you saying, you know, oh, it's so easy to do this. You, you know, you talked about uh, people not backing you financially. They'll cheerlead for you, <laughs> but not back you financially. Um, but I love, I love that because I think that people, people often think that, you know, you have to have all this financial support. You, you have to have all of these other things. And what I heard you say was, like, you, had to, you started with passion and your passion and execution and your ability to take things serious and uh, be confident um, led you on this journey over the last 12 years. So that's really, really awesome. And, you know, Thank since you. you've, you're welcome. And since, you, and since you've um, been able to create 
that space for yourself and the PR around, you've now um, ventured out. And so uh, I want to talk about this, and this is not one of the questions I have written down, but um, hopefully you can touch on this because it sounds like you did PR, and you can correct me, PR strictly for 10 years, and then you got into these other ventures that you're in. Um, and correct. And a lot correct. of a lot of times, a lot of us have all these ideas, and we want to we want to have all these businesses all at one time. I am a you know new entrepreneur, and I have a million ideas all the time. But um, can you talk about the power of kind of staying in one lane until you kind of build that up and then moving on? Because um, I, I just know as a millennial, we have all these ideas, and we'll jump from one thing. We have like ADHD built into us, um, and you know, kind of focusing on one thing and getting good at that one thing before you move into something else. Yeah, it's so for millennials, it's you're you're being um, you're being hit and exposed to so many things that seem so easy to do, but it makes you uh, at this point you're like, hey, she did a podcast, I could do a podcast. She mm-hmm. launched her YouTube channel, I can launch my YouTube channel. She. Um, write an ebook. I can write an ebook. All these things are so easily in your grasp, and they, and the platforms are built that anyone can do it. So it makes you more hungrier to do all these different things at once. But what I learned with the route that I took it is one that that first venture needs to be so stable and so automated that it can that it can run without you before you start to raise your attention. Um, mm-hmm. If, if your business, so I built my business in a time where I was still learning how to run business. I had mastered my skill set of doing PR, but when I opened up my agency, I had to master the skill set of running a business. And I did not come from that background. I didn't have um, parents that had their own businesses that could share a lot of light on that. I didn't have um, people that I, you know, just grew up around that were giving me that type of insight, I had to really take a few years and understand business at a high level, what, uh, how to manage cash flow, how to uh, understand what a net 30 or net 60 and net 90 is and how does that affect business, um, proper invoicing, um, building out my pricing structure so that it makes sense. It took a few years of pivoting um, internally to make the business run on its own. And then once I got there, I had to get to the point of having an amazing team. And you have to have your systems in place to bring in team members that can execute at a high level. So if, you're, if your business is a mess and you start bringing in people, then they're going to produce mess, and they're usually going to continuously mm. fire people, and it's a cycle that continues because you don't have your structure in place. Um, so people can't easily – you can't – easily bring people in and figure out what's the win and what's the benchmark that needs to be hit or what's the goals and deliverables. You just have, you're just like, hey, welcome to my big mess, and you better be great at what you do. And that's just setting somebody up for failure. So then I had to get to that point where I systemized um, and automated a lot of the business. So when I brought in team, you know, team members, they could execute at a high level. I had to set them up for greatness. Um, and then it took time for, for growing and scaling. So to be able to hire people, you have to bring in enough revenue to support other people. And that was a fear that I, I dealt with in a, for a while, for a few years. It was like I don't want to be responsible for someone else 
being able to put food on their table. That mm. was such a scary thought to me. Um, and I sat in that fear for a while. And then I was like, you know what? Um, it's, nothing out here is guaranteed. If someone goes and works for a corporation, they can get let go just like, you know, anything else. All you should do is make sure you operate your business um, in, in as best of God's purpose as you can and you do good business, and you continue to grow that business, um, and, and people will always be appreciative because of it. So getting to that point took some time. So it wasn't a natural – it wasn't something I picked up in, in a year and, and got it together and went out here and just started getting these large clients. It took a while, um, years of development, for me to get to that level. And then once I felt like it could automate and – Teams were in place, and they were empowered, and business was consistently coming in, et cetera. That's when I was able to say, okay, I have some other areas I would like to explore that's still not far off from what my original thing is. So me tapping into, you know, female entrepreneurship space, I am a female entrepreneur. That came naturally to me. I understood the needs of what I was going through and the women around me, and so that was like a natural transition for me. It wasn't something far left um, that I had to take years to, to study again. So through all of that, it was just a, the learning lesson of really dominating in, in a space before moving to the, the next phase. Mm. I love that, dominating, dominating your space. And everything you said was stuff I needed to hear too. So I love doing this podcast because I get so much out of having these conversations, so I know the people listening get something out of it because I'm like, yes, okay, remember <laughs> that it takes time. Like the key word you said I think was time. Like I think we're, you know, we are a microwave society and we want everything so quickly and like within a year you want your business to be booming and that happens for some people, but it doesn't happen for everybody and knowing that it's okay to kind of take your time to build your brand, build your business, and learn. Um, you, if you, you said you, you know, took time to learn all these different aspects before you even brought on your team. Um, a lot of people are trying to build a team before they even know anything to teach their team <laughs> to help build their business. So yes. I love that you touched on that because it's, it's a mindset that is kind of, um, you know, the Instagram mindset, I want to say, where, you know, everything looks good on Instagram, but nobody's telling you know, the real story about how to to get to your goals and dreams and vision. And the key word you said was time. It takes time. It, it, things don't necessarily happen overnight um, in the way that we think they do because of social media or things we see in the media in general. So thank you for sharing your story uh, about that. And, you know, and to touch a little bit kind of on that same topic, what have been some of your challenges or sacrifices you've made as you've um, been chasing your dreams and building your businesses and growing growing um, in your journey? Um, growing, you said some of the things that I learned along the way? Yeah, challenges or sacrifices and some of the things you learned as well. Sure. So challenges, um, I would say, in the beginning was um, – Lack of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of resources was something I had to really get creative about very, very early in life. And um, I think that's something that makes you stronger as an entrepreneur. So 
very early on in life, my dad told me where there's a, a lack of money, creativity always breathes, and where there is um, a lack of resources, then just use the MacGyver technique. And I was like, well, what's the MacGyver technique? <laughs> and he would be like, well, you know how you watch MacGyver and this building is on fire and he has five minutes to get out and he looks on the ground, he sees a thumbtack, a piece of gum, a penny, and string, and somehow he manages to put that all together, <clears throat> save his life, save everyone's life in the burning building, and, uh, you know, be the hero for the day. So he was like, you have to look around what might not look like natural resources, right? So if somebody, mm-hmm. if you go to a pitch competition and somebody gives you $50,000, you it looks like money, you know what to do with it, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. great, I have 50000 this answers my problem. But what if you don't have the opportunity and you have to look around and say, hey, at the job I'm working at and some other women who are kind of frustrated and they need an outlet and they say that they would volunteer and help me with whatever I'm doing, boom, you have a working team that's already in place. Or you have um, uh, your church is getting ready to get rid of a lot of furniture and things um, that they don't need anymore, and you're needing this furniture and whatnot. It might not be your ideal um, all-white tough couches and glass chandeliers and chairs that you want at first, but you have this opportunity to get the furniture and get some things in place and rolling. So so that's the, the MacGyver technique that my father instilled in me very early in life. Like, what are mm-hmm. those immediate resources that are around you? They, they're not pretty. They're not the big, gleaming buckets of, of gold or anything like that, but they can either help save you money um, in the long run or, or the short run, or, you know, they can get you just to the next level um, so that you can use what you have so you can get what you can get. So those are some challenges in the beginning that I just had to get over very quickly. Um, and you really can't have that victimized mindset. So if you, you know, don't have the uh, spouse that, you know, will give you 100000 to start things or you don't have, um, you know, an investor that wants to just, you know, work with you and not ask for an immediate return on investment. If you don't have those different those different um I call them like lucky areas of life, and mm-hmm. you just have to get it done, then you have to get over that that mindset of I wish it was different, or I wish I had this, I wish I had that. You have what you have, and you just got to make, make it happen. And the thing that I notice when you look at some, you know, most of the great, the very high-level greats, the Oprah Winfrey, the Bill Gates, the, um, those, those levels, they all had very harsh upbringings. They all, you know, come from uh, layers and layers of lack and um, abuse and poverty and all these different things, and and they have become the greatest because you get that inner, um, you get that inner energy and that inner hope and that inner level of grind that, you know, will push you through anything. Like once you have seen pit bottom, you never ever want to go back to it. And it makes you hungry. It makes you continuously mm-hmm. go. So those are some of the the challenges that I just have have fought through with uh, with everything. If you had any advice for uh, someone who is starting, either starting a business or you know working towards a dream, what from the lessons that you've learned, what would be something that 
what's one tip you would share with them? Um, one tip that I would always share is <clears throat> never hide from being you. Um, never hide from your story. Never hide from, you know, any quirkiness that you may have, anything that differentiates you. Um, never hide from your truth. I feel like, <clears throat> especially being in the world of PR, um, people want the truth. They want to see who you are. Um, either they relate to it or they don't. But if it's manufactured, then you'll have no audience. So instead mm-hmm. of trying to manufacture what you think you should be or what you aspire to be or what's the furthest away from your truth and have no audience, it's better to be your authentic you and get and corner the part of the market or a piece of the audience that loves you for being you, relates to you for being you, and wants to support you for being you. Um, and it's too, it's, it's too much life to live and the journey is too long for you to live it as someone else. Um, especially with social media and everything else that's in place, it, it's too easy to clone. It's too easy to become duplicates of what you see out there, um, but then you don't get the results of, of the person that you're doing. It's because that was their authentic truth. They've been living in that for years. Their audience is used to seeing that, um, excited about that, and they get that from them. And here you come, and people are like, what? I didn't, I don't. I don't know who you are. I don't know what this is because you're not living in your truth. So I feel like mm-hmm. um, owning your story and being very organic to that is what will be key. Oh, that's so good. That's that's so good <laughs> because, you know, we, again, the Instagram life, everything you see isn't real. So when you find people who are authentic and organic and able to – just live in their truth, everybody is drawn to that person. Like, everybody mm-hmm. is drawn to the person living in their truth. So I love that so much. Thank you for sharing sharing that. Um, I want to ask you what legacy you want to leave um, on this earth um, as you continue to, to, to lead your journey. Um, I would love to leave the legacy of being able to open more doors for women who decide to bet on themselves. Um, and women who decide to step out in faith and create their own ways. Um, and then also a, a space and a conversation that leads to continued results with generational wealth. I mm. think that that used to, for, for generations before us, that used to be so prevalent. What, what can I leave for my children and my children's children? And somehow in our generation and beyond, it's got, that's gotten lost. It's, what can I do for the immediacy of now? And um, I think that conversation needs to be brought back up again in that thought process and that pattern. That's something I'm very, very passionate about. Awesome. Um, and can you uh, just elaborate a little more about um, the 100 female entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah. So um, I started 100 Female Entrepreneurs at the end of 2015. Um, it's an online business league, and the reason that I started it was, one, to have a hub for all the women entrepreneurship things taking place all across the country. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's like in the last few years, everyone woke up to collaboration being the new model, how we have to work together, how we have to explore and open doors and break ceilings 
holding hands, basically. So to be that hub of everything that's transpiring, but then also, too, um, a, a very big part of our mission is creating actionable tools for women to profit. So there's so many women in the entrepreneur space who are just barely making it. Mm-hmm. You, left your, you left your nine to five, you were on this high horse of doing all these different things, and now you're a slave to your own dream. You're, you're, you complain about the hours that you're working for someone else, and now with your job, you're working twice as many hours. You have even less time for your family, and there's no scalable opportunities or plans to, to, of growth with your business. So just reminding people the, the true power of entrepreneurship and how you have to make money. <laughs> you, you have to make money, and, unless this is a nonprofit or a hobby of yours or something of that nature. But if you're doing this and you're giving your all into it, you need to see a return on investment. So, so we're very, very passionate about creating curriculum and um, online digital products and whatnot to really help women keep that front and center because when you can create that wealth, then you can truly impact your family, your community, the people around you. You can lift up more people when you are, uh, when you are excelling, when you're at a level of need that you're not able – if there's a young woman that comes to you and needs your help with something, you have to say no because you don't have the money. But when you do, you're able to really plant that back and um, help the people around you really grow. Awesome. How can people get connected to uh, 100 Female Entrepreneurs? Sure. The uh, website is 100femaleentrepreneurs.com, and on Instagram and Twitter, it's at 100females. And then my personal um, Instagram and Twitter is at I am Garner Scott. Awesome. I, I have one more question for you, and it's a question I always ask. Um, and if, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be and why? If I could give myself um, advice earlier on in life, it would be that um, it would definitely be to prioritize and not be afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people burn themselves out at the start of this and um, whether it's on your, you know, entrepreneurial journey full-time or if you're more just entrepreneurial mindset, you start to say yes to everything. Everything could be a potential opportunity. Everything could be something that's your next big break, Every, you know, and, and you lose sight of your why of, of why you're even doing it. So I think that it's very, very key that you understand the power of no and you understand the power of sticking to your blueprint um, because there's just so many distractions, and, and distractions mm-hmm. continue to grow. Uh, two years ago, Instagram stories didn't exist. Facebook stories didn't exist. LinkedIn Live didn't exist. YouTube Live didn't exist. Now it's like you can pick up your phone, and it's, it's it, 30 different mediums that you can tap into. Each of them you're feeling like, oh, I should be doing this, or oh, I should be doing that, and the distractions could just, you know, take over. And you have to be like, you, no, no, what is, what is my goal here? What is my, my plan for this year? How did I map that out? Let me stay true to this plan. And these are things I could add on later in life, but at this time I just have to say no. I love that. No is a complete sentence, even to yourself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even to yourself. 
Awesome. So, Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. And one more time, can you let people how they can, let people know how they can get connected with you, follow you, support you um, with all the things you have coming up? Sure, sure. So, once again, it's 100femaleentrepreneurs.com, um, membership-based organization, and Instagram and Twitter is at 100females. Um, my personal is at I am Garner Scott, and then just wanted to let your audience know um, in – August uh, of this year, August 19th, actually, we will be doing a large festival for women in entrepreneurship called the Dream Her Fest. That's dreamherfest.com. Um, it'll take place in Ferriby, Georgia, which is about 15 minutes away from the Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. And we're expecting hundreds and hundreds of women to come out, and it'll be an interactive style, so there'll be panels and workshops and keynotes and all those great things in a festival type of environment so you could just connect with women all across the nation. Awesome. I'm definitely going to have to come back to Atlanta to be there. You said in August, yes. right? Yes, August awesome. 19th. I will, I will be there. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on, Nicole, and I appreciate your time. I appreciate your, your gems you, you shared with us. I appreciate you for the work that you're doing. And I look forward to continuing to watch your movement grow and staying connected. And, and dreamers, as always, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure that you go and follow Nicole. Um, get connected. Um, for the ladies listening, get connected to the 100 Female Entrepreneurs. And uh, thank you again for listening. Like, comment, and subscribe so I know that you're here if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, you can also head over to LetitiaCarr.com and show me some love. Um, I will be launching some things in July as well. So I'm so excited, so excited for all the things that I'm bringing to you guys, and I'm glad you all are here with me listening each and every week. So peace and blessings, dreamers.